Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. And my name's Kay. Today we'll be reading from the Book of Science by Dr. David Jeremiah. Chapter 23, Two Witnesses. Yes, this is what we were so excited Fight. for at the end of the last session um, to get into the two witnesses after the 144,000. That's true. Uh, yeah. I, I heard the, uh, yeah. the two witnesses. I think so, they do some pretty crazy things, don't they? I think. We're going to find we're out. We're going to find out, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll start us out, Miss okay. Kay. All right. On June 23rd, 2018, 12 boys ranging in age from 11 to 16, all members of a Thailand soccer team took an after practice excursion with their coach into the cave in northern Thailand. They had traversed two of the caverns six miles when monsoon rains flooded the caves, trapping the team on an underground ledge. When the families reported the boys missing, a search party found their bicycles and packs near the cave entrance. Authorities immediately instigated operations to search the caves. Navy SEALs entered the caverns, feeling their way through the murky water, an experience they described as swimming through coffee. When additional rains and rushing water prevented further <clears throat> penetration, pumps were brought in to lower the water level. Then divers set up air pumps and intervals along the passages, creating breathing stations that would enable them to move deeper into the caves. After nine days, divers finally located the boys and delivered survival supplies while they devised a complex rescue system. Over the next week, they strung underwater guide wires from the team's location to the entrance. Then they equipped the boys with scuba gear, scuba gear and brought them out one by one, each escorted between two experienced divers. The first round trip took 11 hours and delivered four boys. Although subsequent trips went faster, the entire operation took three additional days. But all the boys were brought out safely as the watching world applauded the heroic efforts of the divers and their support teams. Given the complexity of the caves, the underwater distance to the traverse, the dark, and the impending danger of further monsoon deluges, it would have been easy for the authorities to write off the rescue attempt as too dangerous, even impossible. Using similar logic, God could just as easily write off the people who will be caught in this deadly danger and darkness of the tribulation period. The rapture will draw all authentic Christians out of the world and leave only unbelievers to endure the horrors of the tribulation. But God will not write off these billions groping in darkness. He will send rescuers Voices to proclaim the gospel, offering a secure lifeline out of the depths of their impending doom. Okay, this blows my mind. I never knew this. Still yet another chance. Wow. This lifeline will take the form of two witnesses introduced in Revelation 11. Some scholars believe these witnesses will arrive at the center point of the tribulation period. I believe they will arrive at the beginning immediately following the rapture. 
For God, in his infinite love, will never leave men and women without a means of turning to him. In Revelation 11, John reveals much about these two witnesses, including their personalities, their prophecies, their power, their persecution, and their preservation. Wow, isn't it? And and I know that you folks out there couldn't hear my head going, yes. Yes, I didn't know some of this either. Yeah, I'm shaking my head, yes, but you had no clue I was. So I'm going to read the personality of the witnesses. John introduces the two witnesses with these words spoken by an angel of God. I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days closed in sackcloth. Many interpreters have... Hold on a second. 1,262 days. There's 365 days in a year. So they're going to be prophesying for over three years? 1,260 days. Four years, almost. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that either. (laughs) That's a long time, isn't it? That's a long time. Many interpreters have spiritualized the identity of these witnesses, claiming that they are symbolic representations of the law and the gospel or the Old and New Testament. But the interpretation most consistent with Scripture is that they will be actual persons who will speak with human voices and perform miracles by the power of God. Let's explore how John affirms their humanity with two significant metaphors. There are two olive trees and two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. John's readers would have recognized these metaphors as echoes from a vision from the prophet Zechariah, who describes a golden candlestick bearing seven lamps flanked by two olive trees, which produce golden oils for the lamps. Zechariah identifies the olive trees as actual people, the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Wow. Can you imagine standing beside God? Yeah. These two anointed ones in Zechariah's prophecy were prominent men in faith in his time. The high priest Joshua and Jerusalem's governor, Zerubbabel, who restored the Jewish temple in Zechariah's day, Joshua and Zerubbabel, were two witnesses to the fact that God does his work through the power of his spirit. Amen, sister. The zeal of these two men provided fuel for God's work like an olive tree. Their zeal also gave light for God's work like a lampstand. Given this background, it's easy to see why John identified the two witnesses in Revelation as olive trees and lampstands. Like Godly, Zerubbabel, and Joshua, they will be men fueled by the power of God's Holy Spirit to shine lights into the darkness of the tribulation period. While the purpose of these two witnesses is clear, their exact identity remains a source of controversy. Most scholars identify one of the witnesses as Elijah, the Old Testament prophet. Here are the factors supporting this view. Malachi prophesies that Elijah would return to prepare the way for Christ's second coming. Behold, I, the Lord, will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Some believe John the Baptist fulfilled this prophecy 
Luke 1 17 tells us that John came in the spirit and power of Elijah but it simply means that John did his work by the power of the spirit just as Elijah did he was not literally Elijah reincarnated John himself affirmed this fact when the Jewish leaders asked him are you Elijah he answered uneloquently I am not clearly Malachi's prophecy points to some other than John the Baptist someone yet to come God miraculously took up Elijah to heaven from 2 Kings 2.11. The two witnesses will experience the same miracle. The two witnesses will prevent rain from falling. Elijah did the same. Elijah called down fire from heaven. The witnesses will also employ fire in their ministry. The drought Elijah imposed lasted three years. This is exactly the duration of the two witnesses' ministry. As to the identity of the second witness... Some scholars propose Enoch. I believe the more likely candidate is Moses, and here is why. Both Moses and Elijah appeared at Christ's transfiguration. By God's power, Moses turned water into blood. The two witnesses will perform the same miracles. Moses' body was miraculously preserved for restoration. When the witnesses die, their bodies will also be restored. Wow. Satan fought the archangel Michael for possession of Moses' body. and He may have intended to prevent God's program of restoration in the last days. Moses represents the law and Elijah the prophets. Since the witnesses will minister within the nation of Israel, this connection with Jewish scriptures will underscore their message. Prophecy scholars Timothy Demi and John Whitcomb present strong reasons for identifying Moses and Elijah as the two witnesses. No two men in Israel's entire history would receive greater respect and appreciation than Moses and Elijah. Moses was God's great deliverer and lawgiver for Israel. First century Jews actually thought that Moses had given them the manna in the wilderness, and God raised up Elijah to confront Israel in a time of great national apostasy. God vindicated him by sending fire from heaven and a chariot of fire and horses of fire to escort him out of this world. So highly did the Jews of Jesus day think of Elijah that when he saw Jesus, miracles, some people conclude that Elijah had returned. The prophecies of the witnesses. In the same passage we explored above, John gives us two details indicating the duration and character of the witnesses' prophecies. I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days closed in sackcloth. That is... Just yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah. the days. I don't yeah. know where. Yeah, there's, there's what's yeah there's behind all that. of that. So let's remember those numbers. So one thousand two hundred and sixty. One thousand two hundred and sixty. One two The duration of their ministry is stated in exact terms. It will last <laughs> one thousand two hundred and sixty days, which is equivalent to forty-two months or three and a half years. Oh. The nature of their prophecy is indicated in their attire. They will wear sackcloth, a coarse mohair fabric Jews wore to express mourning, distress, or repentance. Jacob donned sackcloth when told his son Joseph was dead. David wore sackcloth when told that Joab 
had slain Abner. These witnesses will prophesy to both Jews and Gentiles, which may be God's purpose in sending two of them. To both groups, however, the content of their prophecy will be the same, judgment. They will preach impending judgment daily and relentlessly throughout their entire three and a half year ministry. That just reminds me of somebody like on the street corners, you know, back in the days when people would stand on the street corners and just continuously preach. People would throw things at them and everything and they would just still keep preaching and praising God. So another reason for sending two witnesses is to comply with the legal standards of the Jewish law. At least two witnesses were required to establish the truth of a testimony. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. That's interesting. One witness may be mistaken or corrupted, but the corroboration of two witnesses confirms the truth. The Bible often records God using two witnesses to confirm a truth. Two angels testified to the woman at the tomb that Christ had risen. Two angels testified to the disciples that he had ascended. God has often paired people to to perform his mission. Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, Zerubbabel and Joshua, Peter and John, Paul and Silas, Timothy and Titus, Jesus sent out the apostles in pairs, as well as the 70. These two witnesses will confirm God's message of judgment and his call to repentance with their perfectly meshing testimony. The power of the witnesses. The first thing we are told about the two witnesses is the source of their power. I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. They want us to remember this. Yes, they do. They will be filled with the Spirit of God who will empower them with both speech and actions to convict their audiences of coming judgment and the urgency of repentance. So the Holy Spirit is going to empower. Do you know the strength that these two men are going to have because of the Holy Spirit working in them and the power of their preaching? The message of the two witnesses will provoke intense hatred, and we can see why. They will not pull any punches. As William Newell wrote, they will testify unsparingly of human wickedness to men's very faces. You have probably never heard a preacher that told you to your face just how bad you were. These witnesses will tell to the teeth of a horrid godlessness which is ready to worship the devil, just what they are before God. The witnesses will warn that the disasters of the tribulation period are judgments the people have brought down upon themselves by rejecting Christ as Lord. They will accuse the people of turning Jerusalem, God's holy city, into a pit of depravity. They will refute the claims of the Antichrist and expose him for the Satan-controlled being he is. They will denounce the lie that man is innately good and improbable. They will warn of more terrible judgments to come if the people do not turn from their gross depravity. We see it in our own day. Unbelievers do not merely reject the truth. They go all out 
to silence it. Why? Because planted in every heart is the innate knowledge of right and wrong. The knowledge is stifled and buried when people give themselves over to their sinful behavior. This explains why the message of the two witnesses will so outrage the people that they will demand their deaths. They will think killing the messengers will eradicate the message. Wow. Okay, the next time we meet, we're going to talk about the power of their plagues. They're even sending out plagues upon people. Wow. Then it'll be like the persecution of the witnesses, the death of the witnesses, the display of their bodies, the delight of their enemies, the preservation of the witnesses. So we have a lot of good stuff to come uh, the next time that we meet. So we are going to say goodbye for now. And until next time, thank you for joining us once again and have a blessed week.